Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So we're ending our series today, That You May Believe. We've been going through the Gospel of John, looking at the miracles that Jesus performed. Now, John, this old man, is writing. I can see him at a just an old rickety desk with a quail pen. He's, he's writing the miracles of Jesus down. And he's writing them with a filter on. What's his filter? Well, I want to write in such a way, John says, that you'll believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing in him, you would have life. So he doesn't write every miracle that he saw Jesus do. He doesn't write every encounter that Jesus had with people, but he writes down ones thinking about you and me. Just think about that. What will the people thousands of years from now need to read? Which miracles am I going to write down? And all of this is done. You can write this in your notes if you'd like to, that Jesus desires that we possess a strong faith. So how strong is your faith? Yeah, one woo, and one I don't know, and one person's asleep. Come on, yeah. How strong is your faith? That tryptophan is working from the turkey, yeah. How strong is your faith? I hope it's stronger since we started this series. And by the way, if you need to refresh your course on faith, you can get the Gospel of John out anytime and read through the miracles. Why? Because John 20 Verse 30 and 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. But these are written that you may, let's read the rest, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of this gospel, that people would actually stop and believe in the Son of God. And that Jesus is the Messiah. He did all kinds of miracles. There was a woman one time, she went to the well, she went to get water, she brought her water pot there for her family, and while she was standing there gathering water, she encounters a man named Jesus who told her everything she ever did. Wow. And that when she left, she said, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. I love that story. She encounters the living water, and it says in the Bible, she actually left her water pot there, forgot the reason that she came. You ever forget? You walk in a room. Why did I walk in this room? You ever open the refrigerator and forget the last time you saw it? Nothing new has been added. It's just the same leftovers, right? Right? Well, maybe something new will appear. We go back an hour later. Maybe something new will appear. There's nothing new there. And so she comes and she leaves her water pot there because she encountered Jesus Christ as the living water. I love what Matthew said. Matthew said in 8, uh, 16 and 17, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a, with a word. Yeah, the power of Jesus' word, the promises that he made to us in the scriptures. And he healed all the sick, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and, and healing every disease and sickness. This is who Jesus was. And it stirred them. 
It stirred the early followers of Christ. Remember when Peter, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, he got up and he preached. And he's preaching to a crowd, and many of them in that crowd had seen Jesus resurrect from the dead. And he's preaching, we saw him, and the lepers raising his hand. Preach it, Peter. My hand used to be covered with leprosy. Now it's clean, and it's smooth like a baby's behind. Huh? Somebody else was there saying, hey, 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 I used to be blind, but now I can see. Jesus encountered me, and he, and he spit into the ground. Remember that miracle? We talked about that one. And he put the mud on his eyes and told me to wash in the pool of Siloam, and now I can see. But not only can I see, I have a revelation of who he is. I understand things now. And by the way, that miracle is written so you and I would get this understanding that even though we might be able to see with our natural eyes, the Lord can come and illuminate to us our spiritual eyes. So as we read the scriptures, it comes from there to here and then to now and becomes alive in our life. That we have revelation of who he is and where he works and, and how he works. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God prospered. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically, not least a great many priests. These were religious leaders in the religious systems submitted now themselves to the faith of Jesus Christ. Peter was preaching 3,000 souls saved in one day. Wow. And then that grew to 5,000. And the church of Christ is still growing Today, that's why Jesus said, I will build my, anybody know, my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say I'll build governments and organizations, though he can help us. He didn't say he'll build families, though he will help us. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to build my church, not brick and mortar church, but the people, the body of Christ, because of the radical transformation that happens when people believe in the name of Jesus. We're changed. Miracles. Now, Jesus performed many miracles so that our faith could grow. I hope your faith is growing, and I hope it has grown through this, through this series. I'm going a little light on you today as we just kind of rehash where we've been, but I want you to think about something. Our faith needs to continue to be a growing faith, not a stagnant faith. John 21, 25 says, there are so many other things Jesus did if they were all written down, each of them one by one. I can't imagine a world big enough to hold such a library of books. Why does John write this? Because not every miracle, again, was recorded. He used that filter to say, which ones do you need? See, the miracles that John collected as signs for us that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. By the way, that's the most important thing for you to believe. Well, I, I, I believe there's miracles today. That's important. I believe in the forgiveness that the Lord brings. That's important. But it, the most important thing you'll ever believe is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And when Jesus was on this earth, there were other people who said, I'm the Messiah. He's the Messiah. They're the Messiah. But Jesus was the real Messiah. I one time saw Jesus on the 5 South Freeway, L.A., you know, the 134, the 101, 134, Griffith Park, Travel Town. Some of you may know where I'm talking about. L.A. Zoo, Gene Autry Museum. And you make that bend on the 5 freeway. And there's a little median there. 
right? You can go off to the right or go straight south on the Golden State Freeway, five south. And there he was standing there in a white robe with sandals, with long hair and a beard and a sign, two-sided sign. I am Jesus, and he spun around, the Messiah. I am Jesus, the Messiah. I saw Jesus. I wonder how many other people that day went home and said, I saw Jesus today. Could you imagine? Because I looked in my rearview mirror. Could you imagine the CHP officer who rolled up on that guy? Sir, what's your name? Jesus, the Messiah. You got any idea? ID? Yeah, Jesus, the Messiah. My sign says so. Now you go, Pastor B, that's a dumb story to share with us. Well, there are people that say they were the Messiah in Jesus' day, just like that. But this Messiah is the one who was able to be the Messiah and to be verified with the miracles that he did. And one of the greatest miracles he did is what we talked about on the cross when he said to Telestai, remember, it is finished. What's finished? Your need to be affirmed is finished. Your need to rise above your insecurity is finished. Your, your, your need to try to earn your salvation or your freedom or your forgiveness, you can't earn it. It's all finished on the cross. What a great miracle to Telestai. And the miracles that, that John collected were signs for us that this is Jesus the Messiah, not just some rabbi or teacher but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The miracles that John collected for us are so that we may believe and that by believing you may have life in Jesus' name. And this old man John says, I want people who read my gospel to have life in the name of Jesus and know that life is really only found there. Life is not found. Real life is not found in the greatest of movies, though we have some great movies out right now. I saw that beautiful day. Did you see it? Beautiful day in the neighborhood, right? I don't recommend movies from the pulpit because somebody always says, you shouldn't recommend movies because Christians shouldn't go to theater. Well, you can do whatever you want. You have freedom. But that was a good movie. I just thought I'd... Anybody else saw it? Good. Seven people. You're waiting for Netflix. I know. I know. That's fine. That's fine. So John... John is writing and saying, listen, I've got something to say about a Jesus who can change your life. How is your life found? Well, it's not in movies. It's not things. It's not, you know, uh, square footage. It's not bank accounts. It's not cars that you drive. Though all that's fine. Real life is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in understanding that here is a Savior who did these miracles to build up our faith, to bolster our faith so we'd understand that we can trust in him. Water and the wine. <laughs> Had a lady years ago, true story, right out here in the parking lot. I know why Jesus turned water into wine. It allows me to, to drink wine. It's a, a proof text for me to drink some vino. Now, if you want to reduce it to that, go right ahead. But how about we look at it this way? Ever been embarrassed? Could you imagine having a feast, a reception? where it was customary that everybody would have wine. It's a wedding. 
Pretend it's your wedding. Pretend it's your friend's wedding. It's your, your son or daughter's wedding. Pretend it's a, a cousin's wedding. Everybody's supposed to have wine, and they've run out of wine, and people are in the back corner. You, you know what you do in those kind of moments? You get with the people who are good under pressure, and you, and you say this, what are we going to do? Right? What are we going to do? Jesus is there with his mother, the Virgin Mary. And they realize there's no more wine. And you know what I, I know about embarrassing moments? Jesus walks into embarrassing moments. He takes the common and makes it uncommon. He takes the ordinary, like water, and turns it into wine, extraordinary. Now, some of you Bible scholars would remember that there were six stone jars, and those jars were normally held with water for ceremonial cleansing. It was a religious order that you would cleanse yourself with water. And Jesus says, get those six jars right there. Watch this. Get those six jars. Carry them from here to there. And the Bible says, while they were carrying them from here to there, all of a sudden, the composition of the H2O changed into wine. And the Bible records that the host stood up and said, we've saved the best wine for last. He didn't save anything. It was Jesus who saved the party. But he said, we saved the best wine for last. And the people are going, wow, this is really amazing wine. Now, is that about wine? No, it's about Jesus who comes in the middle of our lack and gives us abundance. It's Jesus who comes in the middle of our lives and turns things around. Mm. Save the best for last. He's still writing the story. What if you put yourself in the stories of these miracles? Oh, like the pool of Bethesda. The, the man has been unable to walk for almost four decades. And when Jesus comes upon him, the man complains. So do you want to get well? I have no one to help me, he says. <laughs> hey, when Jesus comes to help you, when God comes knocking on your door and says, I'm here to help you. How do you receive him? Yeah, Lord, about time. I got some bones to pick with you after all. You know, I got some complaints. <laughs> I got some aches and pains. I got some issues in my life. No, the Lord is here. Open your heart and receive him. The Lord is here. And the Lord comes to this man, and rather than dealing with his complaint, or rather than putting him into the water, he simply says, would you pick up your mat and, come on, and walk? And a man who has not walked all of a sudden stands up and carries his mat and walks. Now, now, if you ever watch a toddler walk, you ever watch a little one trying to get their first steps, get their equilibrium, understand balance and feet movement, and sometimes their feet go faster than their brain, right? They, they, they get going too fast. But here's a man who's not walked, and he gets up, and he walks. He carries his mat, and he praises God. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Well, let me tell you what some of the scholars say. This has to do with the law. And people who think about works, if I work, I can be saved. If I earn my salvation... And Jesus is showing us with this man at the pool that you can't get there from here even though you're that close to the edge of the water. But Jesus can come down 
and pick you up. It's not the works. It's not the law that saves us. It's Jesus actually coming in himself and giving us grace, pure and simple. He changes everything. Then you think about the, the large crowd. Put yourself there. The crowd was chasing after Jesus and he retreated. He withdrew himself. They wanted him to be a king that would get rid of the Roman oppression. They wanted a king, a Messiah that would turn their economy around, that would do their warfare for them. And Jesus said, I'm not that kind of king. And so he retreats. And finally, he comes back out and there they are on the hillside and they're hungry. And Jesus says, hey, uh, disciples, why don't you feed them? And they say, look, there's, there's, there's no place for us to get food out here. There's no grocery outlet nearby. There's no food scope. There's no Walmart. Where are we going to get the food? And Jesus says, oh, tell them to sit down, which is a sign of if you're going to sit down, you're going to have a picnic, right? And so they all sit down and they find the little boy's lunch. I love this. It's a sign that Jesus will always provide for us. Where Matthew 6 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his righteousness, the right ways of God, the way he does things that is is right. Every one of these, we could put ourselves in the story where John writes these miracles, and in John 6.35, Jesus said, Hey, everybody, I'm the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. What does that mean? You'll always know where to get your bread. You'll always know where to get your living water. And in the midst of crisis, the midst of difficulty, we can stop and say, God, I know exactly where to go. It's found in you. And then we talked a little bit about the storm. Disciples have fished all night. They've caught nothing. And the storm comes. And Jesus walks on the water, not to show off. Jesus walks on the water to remind us that no matter what we go through in life, if there's storms, he walks right to us, right where we are. He doesn't just sit on the shoreline and say, when are you going to get here, right? When are you going to stop your worrying, your moaning, your groaning? Lord, our, our ship's taking on water. Don't worry. I've got it under control. And that blind man, not to just see colors for the first time, but to have his spirit opened up, illumination in his life, revelation in his life. Lazarus, what a great story. We talked about that. Lazarus comes out of the tomb and uh, he, remember the King James word, he stinketh, right? And he's coming out, we call it the Lazarus hop. You know, he was doing the hop and, and, he, and he comes out and the grave clothes are still on him. And somebody goes, what does that have to do with us? A lot. You know what it's called? Grace. Because people that are coming to Christ, especially for the first time, they got a lot of grave clothes still on them. There's stuff that has to be dealt with. By the way, we're in a process. We are under construction. Did you know that? The good work that the Lord began in us, Philippians 1.6, he will continue to perform from glory to glory. He's changing us. Why? Because we haven't arrived yet. And the minute that we think we've arrived, here's what usually happens. We start judging those who are just starting to come out of their own grave. Hey, you shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't look like that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, because they've got grave clothes on. And we're a little further along. We still have some grave clothes left, but, but they're starting to be peeled away from us. There's still a little bit of stink. Sorry, folks. There still is a little bit. 
And we have to be careful that in redemptive lift that we don't rise up to a place where we start to judge everybody else who's not like us or where we're at. But I love this story of Lazarus. He waits, Lazarus dies, he calls him out of the grave. And I love this passage in John 11, 25, 26. And Jesus said to her, I am, let's read it, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? John made sure that the story of Lazarus was in the gospel because he wanted you and me to read it. He didn't write every miracle down. We already saw that. He couldn't write every miracle down that Jesus did, every encounter that Jesus had with people. But he made sure this one was there. Why? Because someday when we take our last breath, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, listen, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We talked about the words from the cemetery, the words at a funeral where Jesus has the power to speak. Do you believe this? I pray that you believe this. John is announcing to us through all of these miracles, it is safe to believe in Jesus. Let me say it again. It is safe to believe in Jesus. Paul the Apostle said it this way in Philippians 4.13. Very familiar. For I can do what? Everything through Christ who gives me strength. It is safe to believe in Jesus and to trust in Jesus. Number three, Jesus desires that we embrace life in his name. Not life in our name. Not life in the, in the name of this world and the cynicism and the criticism and the sarcasm of our world. Our world is shifting more and more and people on one side are coming to Christ like never before. Sometimes the researchers will say, well, the church is dying out and people aren't getting saved. People are coming to Christ worldwide more now than ever. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So what are you going to believe? Well, we're going to believe in Jesus, and we're going to believe that there's life in his name. I love John 20, 31. Going to repeat it again. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is announcing that these miracles are there for you to have. And I would encourage you, when your faith gets low, let me give you a little tip. When your faith gets low... Just go and read through the Gospel of John again. And go and read through the miracles. Again, they've been written so that we might believe, that our faith might grow, that we might have a stronger faith. But there's one miracle we didn't cover. One miracle in the Gospel of John we didn't cover. And it's the miracle of Advent, which is a fancy word that means the arrival of a notable person or a major event. I would say the arrival of Jesus is the arrival of a notable person, wouldn't you? And I would also say that it's an incredible event, that God would leave heaven and come to earth, and we see it in John's gospel, chapter 1. Another miracle he made sure was written down. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming 
into the world. Now, if you don't know who the Word is, the Word is Jesus. The Word is Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, I love this, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's twinkle in his eye. Uh, I added that. But born of God. And the word became flesh. That's Jesus becomes flesh. He's the living word. And he made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And he's full of grace and truth. A beautiful balance of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace to forgive our sins and truth to declare that sin is sin. He actually told the woman who was being stoned to death, go and sin no more. The truth was she was a sinner. But the grace was you're forgiven. Where are your accusers? He said. She said, sir, they're they're all gone now. Ah, and neither do I accuse you. That was grace. Truth was she was a sinner. Grace was you're now forgiven. Truth is I'm a sinner. Grace is, I'm forgiven, just as if I'd never sinned. So, Christmas is coming. God with us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And He became flesh and lived among us. One uh, version of the Message Bible says, He took His tent and camped in our neighborhood. I like that. Jesus did not become our Savior from a distance He actually came and lived on this earth. And all the miracles in the Gospel of John, all of them, are to bolster our faith. Life in Jesus moves us to be open to a miracle. You cannot read the miracles in the Gospel and discount the fact that this Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, discount the fact he can't do miracles anymore. Because he can. By the way, I'm looking at miracles here. It came to church. <laughs> no, I'm looking at miracles here. You've been transformed. Many of you know Christ as your Savior. What a miracle. You've had your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What a miracle. Under page uh, 3,849 is my name. It says St. Bernard right there. I like that. I do. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life if you know Christ as your Savior. Not because you're in the church building or not because you live in America, but because you have made a commitment to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Life in Jesus moves us to be a part of a miracle. Not just open to a miracle, but to be a part of a miracle. How could God use you in this season? How could God change those around you in this season? Again, this is the season where people are more open to the gospel than any other time of the year. There's something about the trees and the lights and the song and poinsettias and all that goes with it. And giving gifts and receiving gifts and all that goes with it. This is the season where people are most open to talk about Jesus. Think about somebody that you'll have a conversation with. That could be a miracle for some of you. I'm not that bold, someone said to me recently. I keep my faith to myself. Well, get over it. Let people know who you you believe in who you're persuaded to follow all the days of your life. So, 
surrender to faith, surrender to Jesus, and allow the miracles of God to change you from the inside out. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.